welcome back to the Worst Sister Shire podcast. We're three sisters who decided to start up a podcast to talk about our favourite TV shows and movies. And this week we're going to be talking about Desperate Housewives in our segment we've called Whisperia Lane. This week in Whisperia Lane we'll be covering off on Season 1, Episode 21, in an episode titled Sunday in the Park with George. I'm Arzum. I'm Suna. And I'm Sadie. And we are the Worst Sisters. So in this episode, we see George is still trying to make his way into Bree's life. Lynette is trying to save her marriage and spice up her sex life. Susan hires a private investigator to investigate Paul. And Felicia takes action to sort of help Zach in his weird life with Paul. And Gabby is pregnant and she's dealing with that. And, you know the issues with who the father might be. All right, let's start with Gabby. So the first thing we see with Gabby is she is throwing shit at Carlos and she's basically saying like, I can't believe you tampered with my birth control. How could you do this? And Carlos is just deny, deny, deny. <laughs> yeah. So Carlos, who called his mother an, a queen just like a three saint. episodes ago, a saint, a queen, like three episodes ago, he decides she's going down for this. I know. And he blames the whole tampering with the meds thing on his dead mother. Carlos is like, oh, you know what it must have been? You buy your birth control six months at a time. Six months ago, I told my that I wanted to have a baby. And she said she would take care of it. I thought she was going to talk to you. Baby, I'm so sorry. And the offer goes to Carlos for this. Like, oh, my God. I know. What a ski. I love Gabby's response, though. She kind of accepted this as the truth and then she was like i have to go i'm about to get a bout of morning sickness and i want to be standing over your mother's grave when it hits (laughs) i know literally (laughs) later on gabby goes to talk to john and tell him you know i'm pregnant you may be the father but you're not going to be involved don't worry about this and john is like freaking out he's like throwing shit he's like kicking stuff everywhere and he's kind of just like i can't even afford my dirt bike Three episodes ago, he was like, Gabby, I can provide for you. Take my credit card. Yeah, then she spent all of it in one day. Gabby's more expensive than a baby, I feel like. Literally. (laughs) Baby doesn't need $400 shoes. Exactly. But John's relieved initially that, like, it's not going to be his and they're going to move on. He's just, just going to raise the baby with Carlos anyway. Later on, John grows a bit of a conscience and he decides he's going to go and try and tell Carlos about the affair. My favourite thing about this whole scene is, you know, Gabby's like three days pregnant. Her, already her hormones are zapping her taste buds. Yeah. So already she's like, I can't taste anything. Like I need to add all this hot sauce to my salsa. And what a plot device this was. Like it was so like in your face obvious. John comes up to talk to Carlos about the affair. Um, There's like a struggle between the two of them. And she throws the spicy salsa into his eyes. And he's like, it's like acid into my eyes. Yeah. It's a, here's a plot device I can throw at you. I know, exactly. (laughs) But like, can I just say... That um, she was doing this while Carlos was in the tub. Waiting to be seduced. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's in the bathroom with a plate of chips and salsa, adding hot sauce into it while she's staring at herself in a mirror. Yeah. Someone please explain this to me. It sounds like she's living her best life. I would love to be so beautiful that I just stare at myself in the mirror while I eat hot salsa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dream. But also, I, this, I literally think... They don't want to make additional sets for anything. So that's why they have to, like, always do everything in their bathroom. That fight with Maylin in the bathroom. Weird TV scenes where they watch the news together in the bathroom. 
Yeah. Everything in the bathroom always. Exactly. Their house only has a bathroom and an entrance. <laughs> it literally does. <laughs> that's basically it. So that's why she's doing this in the bathroom so they don't have to make her a kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> but while this is happening, John falls back because of the salsa in his eyes. And Carlos walks out in the road and he's like, John, how are you going? And John's like bleeding from his eye sockets and yeah. doesn't suspect anything that was going on. And Gabby's like paranoid face. How did Carlos commit any of these... Um crimes because he's dumb as shit i know how do you not suspect that something is going on he's like oh yeah your free gardener wanted me to get wanted to get a second opinion from another free gardener about whether these azaleas should come out (laughs) exactly pretty much we end it with with carlos inviting john to come back to be their gardener basically that's all of gabby's timeline yeah that's it (laughs) so lynette is a little bit upset over the fact her and Tom haven't had sex in 10 days and the longest they've ever gone before is nine. Lynette brings this up with Tom and says, hey, like, you know, is everything okay? This is a situation. And Tom's like, everything's great. Don't worry. When I come home tonight, I'm going to rock your world. It's been 10 days kind of a thing, which is like well and good. And for once I was like, okay, cool. Like this is like not a weird way to communicate your needs. I liked it. Like the way they spoke about it quickly. How dumb is Tom though? Because... When, oh, maybe that's a bit later on, but I feel like he just didn't get when she says, oh, I thought our marriage was in trouble. Yes, she doesn't, he doesn't get that. He's like, whoa, since when is our marriage in trouble? Like literally, Tom, we've been watching your marriage and you've had all of these issues with Annabelle and whatever. Like, don't you think that's making Lynette a bit self-conscious and like worried about your future? Like, what do you mean? Whoa, since when is our marriage in trouble? Exactly. Maybe when you said that you're driving, she's driving you away last episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But yeah, so Tom comes home that night and they're making out. Lynette got the kids to bed early because mummy and daddy have a special meeting. Tom cannot get over how bad Lynette's shirt smells. Lynette takes it off and she's in her singlet and he's like, wow, that smell like just really seeps through. And he's like making no effort to make her feel attractive or anything like that they end up like talking about it and he says something that's just like oh I just like it you know when you're clean and wearing your sexy clothes and men like it when women put some effort in yeah meanwhile he's come off the streets in his scummy little suit that he's been wearing all day I'm sure he doesn't smell like a bit of roses no I'm sure he smells like the office and he's been sweating through his fucking suit yeah. You know, this woman does everything for you. She, like, runs your whole house. She's, like, constantly running around with kids. And she makes a point of saying, like, all of my clothes smell like a hamper. Like, no, I don't own anything clean and sexy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm running after four kids all day. Yeah. And he just can't get through it. So they don't end up having sex that night because, you know, he killed the moment and the baby woke up and everything. The next day, Lynette decides she's going to spice things up a little bit because she's still obviously worried. They still haven't had sex. And she buys a French maid's outfit. She gets the kids to bed. And Tom is out late still. So she ends up drinking a little bit and is waiting for him on the couch and ends up falling asleep. And Tom, without calling Lynette or anything like that, is like to this random guy that he obviously works with or, you know, has flown into town that he works with, is like... Oh, yeah, no, why would you stay in a hotel when you've been flying all day? Come sleep on our couch. Also, like, first of all, yes, that is the first very bad issue, that he didn't even bother telling Lynn that he's bringing someone home. The second issue is um, who would prefer to stay on someone's freaking family couch instead of in a hotel paid for by work? 
Exactly, exactly. It was just a like, plot to shame Lynette. <laughs> Lynette's, Lynette's house right, has one couch from what I've seen, and it's tiny. It's like a two-person couch. She barely fits yeah. on it, and that guy was huge. Yeah, her legs are dangling everywhere, whatever, but yeah. yeah. Maybe it's a pull-out. We don't know. That's not the issue here. The issue is that Lynette um, did not know that this man was coming over. And Tom invited some man to sleep on their grody family couch. And when they walk in, Lynette is there in her French maid outfit, ass up, basically. Yeah. Sleeping bum up, yes. <laughs> yeah, literally sleeping bum up. The next morning, Tom tries to make some jokes about this. He's like, oh, honey, leave it. Let the maid get that mess there. And she's like, ha, 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 whatever. And then he makes another joke being like, what's his face? Wants a fresh towel and a riding crop. Like, what were you thinking? Why would you do that? And this is what Sana was talking about earlier. She says, I was trying to save our marriage. And Tom is just in shock about this revelation. Like, he's like, whoa, what? They literally just had the conversation about, oh, men like a woman who puts in more effort like yesterday. So Exactly. What do you mean you don't understand what she was thinking? You literally told her this yesterday. Yeah, she was trying to put in effort for you. Lynette makes a point of saying, I used to be enough for you, even wearing a smelly t-shirt. I didn't have to compete with, like, the Annabelles of the world, who's, like, the fantasy with the manicures and the designer clothes. Yeah. And he doesn't make any effort to say you are enough for me or anything like that. He just says he has to go to work. Later on, Tom attempts to resolve this issue as well. When he comes home, um, the kids are in bed again. And first of all, I think Lynette looks lovely in this this part of the episode. I like her little red jumper and her jeans and her little outfit. Yeah. She looks really cute. Mm. Um, that's not the point. I just wanted to point it out. She's sitting there reading, having like a moment to herself for once. And Tom comes home. He gives her like an egg timer and says, when this is up, come upstairs, come to the bedroom. And Lynette does just that. And Tom comes out in this like weird cheetah prints like speedo thing to try and like I guess do make an effort for her I don't know why you need an egg timer to put on underwear but okay he didn't want to have to call her in when he was done yeah I guess so and Lynette likes it and I guess they break their dry spell to be truly even Lynette should send a photo to her friends and then also make fun of him for making an effort yeah I think he did all right by the end of the episode he made it up to her and made her feel better yeah, I just don't like him, so I don't think it's enough. <laughs> but, like, he's a dumb shit if he didn't understand what the issue was. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Anyway, I think that's it for Lynette. Yeah, that is it for Lynette. Brie and George are having dinner at some fancy restaurant, and Brie's like, anything this delicious must be sinful. <laughs> she was, she's always doing the most with that stuff. Like, why can't she just say this tastes good? <laughs> like, I know. They're literally just having orgasms while they're eating, like the both of them. <laughs> They're moaning into some oysters for no reason. <laughs> and Brie starts telling George about her adventures in Europe and in Italy that she took with Rex and how um, life was so much easier when they didn't have the kids and they were happier then. Before she's like, maybe I've had too much wine. He eat this. And she starts spoon feeding George whatever she's eating, like an oyster, according to Sadie. I don't, I don't recall what it was. But while she's doing this, like spoon in mouth with her other hand, she's waving at Edie from across the restaurant who's watching her. And she realises how it must look. Exactly. Like, oh no, it looks like I'm having an affair. So the next day when Rex and Bri are heading out, Rex is complaining of his health is continuing to deteriorate and that he needs to change cardiologists and whatever. And Bree's like, no, we can't. We socialize with them. I know. What, should, what will I tell Helen? Just die. <laughs> I know, literally. Also, like, why would you not think that the pharmacy is mixing up the drugs? Because why would they? 
Yeah, why would they? You would ex- expect them to be professional. And also, according to Rex, he doesn't know that she's still hanging out with George. Yeah, like, if that happened to me, though, like, in Sadie's, what, uh, along the lines of what Sadie's trying to say, I guess, like, if that happened to me, and I knew that my pharmacist was super into my wife, I'd just move pharmacists. It doesn't matter if I think they're tampering with my medicine or not. I just would move to save face and awkwardness. Well, Rex does say that he wants to do that, and Bree does go to do that, and maybe he thinks that she has. Maybe he does. How far does this weird lie of hers seeing George go? But yeah, so when Rex is complaining about all of this, they're heading out, and Brie sees Edie, so she runs after her because she needs to quote-unquote get a recipe from Edie. Edie is known for her cooking. Yeah, Edie's known for her cooking, correct? Talking to Edie later on, she says something along the lines of, oh, like, good, I'm glad you just saw we were just there having dinner. Like, I didn't want you to think I was having an affair. Edie's kind of like, oh, well, I thought you were because, you know, you're spoon-feeding a man in a fancy restaurant. Like, he's not my type, but, you know, go go you for getting back at your husband for cheating on yeah. you with a housewife. Bree is like, oh, no, like, I'm not with him. I just, like, tell him all my deeper stuff for secrets. I'm, like, super vulnerable with him. Like, he supports me emotionally. Like, she says all this stuff that, like, surely while you're saying it, you know it doesn't sound good, Brie. Like, surely you didn't need Edie then to turn around and say to you, well, what's wrong with talking to Rex? (laughs) Exactly. Because Brie says, well, it's kind of like an affair in the end. And Brie kind of just stares at her in shock before she, like, walks away. Yeah. And is that literally it for Brie? She does, after that, go and talk to Rex because she tries to, like, I guess get that same um, feeling out of talking to Rex. And I guess we see that he doesn't react the same way that George does to things. Like when she was talking to George, she was talking about their Italy trip and he was like, oh, that sounds fantastic. And it would have been so great to travel and to eat and whatever. But then when she goes to Rex and says, oh, remember our Italy trip, how cute that was. And Rex is like, all I remember is it was a waste of money. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And um, so she's just not getting that. Um, emotional connection from Rex that I think she she's off. My issue here is like Brie is doing what Aria was doing a few episodes ago, where she feels like with her partner she needs to they need to like the exact same things and have the exact same thoughts and opinions on absolutely everything. I mean that's true, but also I feel like Rex just puts in zero effort. He does. He absolutely does. Like they don't have to have the exact same hobbies, but like I guess if he showed some interest in what Brie does, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah. But like, has Brie shown interest in what he does? I mean, she's doing S&M for him. Yeah, exactly. But also, what else does he do besides sit there and read a newspaper? We haven't seen him do anything. He goes off, he bees a doctor, he golfs. His hobbies are outside of the house. But like, yeah, exactly. She's doing S&M for him. She's trying shit. And he can't talk about Italy. Also, how can you like go to a whole other country and a different continent and spend all that time like eating and taking in culture and be like, I just remember it was too much money. Like, yeah. Like, there had to be something. Like, you could have at least... Like, who goes to Italy and doesn't like the food? Don't lie to me. The food would have been delicious. It's Italian food. Like Anyway, that's uh, all for Brie. We don't see any of, we don't see much of her children. I'm assuming Danielle is dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> She's no longer with us. So the best thing that's ever happened to Susan happens. And Morty proposes to Sophie and Sophie and is moving out of her house. Yeah. What? What? I know. I didn't like the whole proposal because I don't know, the whole thing was weird. It was in the middle of the night, in the middle of Susan's house, and it was meant to be like quirky and cute, but it wasn't. It was like he's drunk and proposing to her with his dead wife's ring, and she goes, All right, sure, why not? But as long as he gets her a new ring and with a bigger diamond. Yeah. Never mind that he shoved you, all of that stuff is gone now. 
Yeah. She just forgot it all as soon as there was a ring. Yeah. Also, I like how in this show, no one even pretends that these women were sleeping or anything in the middle of the night. They're literally both there with a full face of makeup. Like, Sophie has a red lip on. Is that not how you sleep? (laughs) Yeah. It's not actually, no. Oh, weird. I sleep like a bum. You sleep like a bum. I walk around like a bum. I don't even have a full face of makeup on when I'm doing stuff. Yeah, neither. Same. So, yeah, that's the best thing that's ever happened to Susan. But something I thought was funny is Maudie tries to say, I hope you don't mind, Sophie told me about your situation with the plumber. Don't give up on him because if I had given up on Sophie, I wouldn't be here getting married to her right now. Susan's like, oh, did mum tell you that he was put away for manslaughter? Yeah. Uh, no. Did she tell you that he was a drug dealer? Oh, no, she left that part out. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, Sophie was like, I wouldn't have told him that you love him. I know. Oh, but he was dealing with her death at the time. Like... Man, Sophie is the worst. I'm so glad she's leaving. Yeah, thanks, Morty, for taking her off our hands. <laughs> I know. And then when they go to leave, um, <laughs> and Julie is like, oh, no, couldn't you stay a little bit longer? And Susan's like, no, no, they've got to go. They want to start their new life. <laughs> I know. Fair oh. enough. Like, I would have punched Julie in the face for even suggesting it. Yeah. Susan almost did. No, so she ends up getting a private detective. Um, yes. To spy into Paul and what's happening with Paul. But conveniently, it's Paul's private detective. <laughs> yeah, conveniently. As the private detective says, um, he has the biggest ad in the phone book. So she calls him. And she goes in and sa- says to him, oh, I need some info on this Paul guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, you came just to the right person. And then he ends up charging Susan to look into Paul. But then goes to Paul and he's like, so what do you want me to tell her? So Paul gives her the story about um, the same stuff he said about who Dana was, how Mary Mary Alice changed her name because of a fight with her aunt and all of that. So everything was corroborated. And Susan's like, oh, well, I guess that's it then. And then while she's got the detective, she was like, actually, there is somebody else I'd like you to look into. I know this plumber. Yeah, I know. And um, so she gets him to look into... Mike. And then I guess he finds some documents that link Mike to something. I don't know. Oh, I think she finds his like arrest record and stuff. That's right. And then she gives it to her child. So why did, first of all, why didn't the detective tell you this? She just got the file and he f- fucked off. Yeah, correct. And he gives he gives a file to her mother, Julie, her mother slash daughter, Julie. Yeah. He's like, I can't read this. You read this and tell me what's in this document, which literally could be anything. You could be exposing your daughter to anything. Yeah, correct. Doesn't um, matter, though, because it's just Julie. It's just her mother child. Yeah. So her mother child reads the documents and is like, oh, I have good news and bad news. Which do you want first? And Susan opts for the bad, bad news. And the bad news is he killed a cop which we recently discovered as well. And there is no good news. Julie was just trying to make her feel a bit better. Yeah. Um, but while she's looking into these documents, Susan finds a photo of um, Kendra, which we found out is Deidre's sister, right? And Susan had met Kendra because she had come and stayed with Mike that time when her and um, Edie had ganged up to go to the bar and right Susan got smacked by a bull, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... From that time, Susan remembers Kendra, but she's like, oh, I guess that's weird to, oh no, it's not weird to Susan. So it was like a photo of um, Mike basically outside of the courthouse, I guess after he got sentenced. Yeah, um, with a really and bad beard and moustache. Yeah, and in the background is Noah and Kendra. 
And Susan thinks this is weird. And she's like, hang on. I think mm. I know her. But, like, I'm asking now, why would Susan think that's weird when she already thinks that Kendra was a friend of Mike's? Exactly. Like, wouldn't you go, oh, yeah, that's a friend of Mike's that I know. She was obviously there supporting him. Like, isn't that what you would think? Yeah, that's what I would think. Why would you think there's anything sus there? Like, we know that there's a connection because we see the show. But why would Susan, from her perspective, think there's something there? Didn't um Kendra try and warn her about something or other before she left? Like, get to yeah, know the man? Yeah, he said get her to get him to tell you the truth. And she decided on multiple occasions not to do that. Yeah, so maybe she was like, so, now's the time to go? Maybe. But go ask Mike then. Because the first time that he offered to tell her the truth uh, was after she said, oh, I'm going to break up with you because you never tell me the truth. Then he came over and he's like, I'm going to tell you the truth. And she's like, that's enough for me. And throws herself on him and doesn't ever find out the truth. Then yeah. The next time is when he wrote her the letter. And she's like, no, nah, I'm not going to read it. Don't want to know the truth. And now she's just chasing the same truth. Like, that guy was right about her. She does like her own drama. She does, correct. So, yeah, she goes over to Kendra and Noah's and asks them what happened. But Noah tells her, like, a made-up story about, like, how, yeah, Mark's a real bad guy. Like, he's just a dud. Nothing you can do about it. Sorry. Because he just wanted Susan to go away and not to distract Mike. Because he doesn't have any time. He's dying. He wants this sold ASAP. He doesn't want Mike getting distracted. Yeah. Um, but Kendra starts to feel real bad. So she chases out after Susan. Like 10 years later, after she has a 10-year conversation with her dad. And Susan's still in the car. She goes and tells her that Kendra basically tells Susan that um, her sister Deidre was, like, mad into drugs. And I think so was Mike at some stage. But, like, he started to get cleaned up. But she didn't. And he was running around. she was running around with, like, this corrupt cop and everything. And Mike went to get her from there, got into like a punch up with this cop. They both fell off a balcony and Mike survived. And the end result is that apparently Mike was doing it in self-defense and he's innocent. Which is all fine and dandy, but like he was still a drug dealer, wasn't he? And he was still convicted in a court of law. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> if it was self-defense, he would not have gotten, uh, he would, wouldn't have gotten sent to prison. So there's something there. Yeah, correct. So basically, she's like, oh, I knew he was good. Breaks down. And then she... But like, if you knew he was good, why did you break up with him eight times? Yeah, drama. Then she runs home to Mike, I guess. Yeah, and then they smooch. And that's all for Susan. That is all for Susan. That leaves us with just Paul's timeline, I guess. I forgot about him. (laughs) (laughs) So Felicia has been trying to reach out to Zach because she hasn't seen him in a few days. And Paul answers the phone and says, you know, Zach's sick and he'll call you another time. But also this is really inappropriate. Stop hanging out with my son. The second he hangs up the phone, he turns around and like hands Zach a cup of tea. A cup of cocoa. Cup of cocoa, sorry. Hot beverage. Yeah, something in a mug. (laughs) And he says basically like, oh, you're not feeling really well and it's this house that's doing it to you. I feel it too. We basically find out that Paul is drugging Zach and telling him that they're moving. (laughs) After still not hearing from Zach, Felicia just goes in to the young house. She just like walks her way in. Yeah. And she finds Zach like unresponsive and kind of like picks him up or drags him. I don't know how she gets him there, but she brings him over to her house. No one sees a child being dragged through the streets in this show. And when Paul comes over to be like, what the fuck, Felicia, why did you steal my son? I'm going to go get him. Felicia basically says, leave now 
I know that you killed Martha and making Zach be a fugitive for all of his life is not okay. Leave, basically. Yeah, she was basically like, didn't you um, steal him in the first place to give him a better life? I don't think that's a better life for him, so be gone. Yeah. If you don't go, I'm going to keep your kid and tell the cops on you. Exactly. I just want to say her killer line, though. So then Paul says, nightly say goodbye to Zach because she said, like, you just disappear. I'll look after Zach. He's going to stay with me now. And Paul is like, oh, can I at least say goodbye? And she's like, did you let me say goodbye to Martha? And just like death stares him. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be fair, would she want to say goodbye to Martha? I know. She was, she was a pig of a woman. And the world became a better place the day she died. Felicia doesn't play around. She knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, but you can see how shook up she was when she takes out the knife from her sleeve. Well, yeah, he killed your sister. Of course you're going to be a little sass. Exactly. No, I'm going to be best friends with your killers. You would. You actually would. You actually would. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's everything. But this whole, like, Paul storyline where Felicia kidnaps a kid, a drugged-up kid, and then tells you know, Paul to go on the run and everything like that. It's such a small part of this episode, but like it's so dramatic. Yeah, like this episode was fluff. You don't you're not getting to the the real mystery yet. The whole mystery is why did Mary Alice kill herself? Who's Dana? Well, we know who Dana is. Yeah, Dana's Zach. Now we're on this thing of like what happened to Deidre? Is Deidre the one that's that was there? Yeah, she is the one that's in the toy box. But how did she get there? But there is only two episodes left of this season. Dun dun mm. So we're not too far from finding out not that I've seen well thanks everyone for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of Shadewood and we'll cover the next episode of Pretty Little Liars in the meantime if you want to reach us to talk about Wisperia Lane or Shadewood or anything else you want us to cover please reach out to us on our socials Worcestershire on Instagram Facebook Reddit and TikTok and at Sister Worst on X formerly known as Twitter but we'll also email you back if you email us on worcestershire at gmail.com. Let us know what you think, and we look forward to hearing from you. We'll see you guys next time. I'll count us out. Ready? One, two, three. Hadabam! Hadabam! <laughs> <laughs>